Hi, I'm the struggling author who sees Rand attempt to resurrect the dead little girl in the Stone of Tear, and I just got a great idea for a story about a puppet. Dalen. And I'm that dead, dead little girl, and your first-time reader, Eric. And welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast dedicated to the dissection and discussion of Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. Guys, it's our 10th episode. We have done 10, 9 episodes at this point, but this will be our 10th. Our podcast is a decade old, Eric. Double digits. We did it. We we made it. And in, in eight more episodes, this podcast is going to be going to college and we'll be empty nesters. Oh. We won't have a podcast. We'll have to do another one for 18 episodes until that one goes off to college. We just abandon the podcast in every 18 episodes. We just like <laughs> abandon it. Like we'll at that point be halfway through the shadow rising. What happens? Well, we're doing Stormlight now. Sorry. If we stop the podcast right now, could I get you to recreate the I abandoned my boy scene from There Will Be Blood? Oh, I thought you meant the uh, I've abandoned my boy scene from My Brother, My Brother and Me, where Griffin's like, I've abandoned my boy. Where's better, my boy? Better pull. Better pull. Yeah. <laughs> but we won't be doing that for right now. What we'll be doing, though, is discussing chapters 7 through 10 of The Shadow Rising. Four very interesting chapters. Two are very sweet. Two are very horrifying. It is a it's a crazy juxtaposition, and uh, I I appreciate you for dividing up the chapters as you have done per episode because the second to last one in this batch, uh, I would have been real real like blue balls in pretty hard if uh if I didn't get the answer to what, all what was going on. It, it gets crazy, and oh, yeah. uh, uh, you remember how last week I was predicting. You know that we're we're laying a ton of track for stuff to happen in the future. I, I take everything back. Everything is so much more immediate. Everything is so much more in danger, and the the waters are already boiling. Oh yeah, the water has been on a simmer for three books, and now it's fully fully boiling. And let's start with uh, chapter seven, playing with fire. So, again, it's literally a couple hours later from where we left the Wonder Girls, and. It cracked me up because Egwene and Elaine are on their way to Rand's chambers. And it's kind of described that Elaine is kind of like, she's she's shown a little shoulder. She's shown a little bit of cleavage. And it, this was not at her insistence. This was Egwene who said, who essentially was like, get the titties out and let's go see Rand. I think that's a really funny detail. And Egwene has like a shawl wrapped around her. Like she's very proper while Elaine looks like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. It's like... No, they both definitely kind of... I think it's very foretelling the relationships we're going to see between these two girls and Rand. Uh, Again, I just go back to the... Not the prophecy, but, you know, the, uh, the vision of Rand and Egwene being connected somehow, but just not romantically. And I think this kind of furthers Egwene's kind of progression in this series as one of the, you know, leading soon-to-be Aes Sedai. I I really do think she is going to shoot up the ranks. Well, what's funny is, um, because we've talked about how Egwene plays kind of different roles. We see this twice, because she describes when she sees the Aeol, she straightens up, tries to be like Elaine... And then a little bit later, when she's talking with Rand, she folds her arms under her breasts, just like Nynaeve would. So it's this kind of like, she still has little bits and pieces of trying to figure out who I think she really is. Mm, you know? mm-hmm. But we get the first instance of human curling, because they meet with the stone dogs, who are posted up outside, and Gaul, who they go out of the way to say, Gaul's very pretty, like thick eyelashes it looks like he's his eyes are lined with black just tall just hunk of a man and he's like so Rand was visited by the high lords of tear and he threw high lord lord torian who is the one parent in fail saw kind of like creeping outside of Rand's chambers uh after the bubble of evil and then he pulled uh bear lane aside and bear lane was like bye so he apparently threw high lord torian across the floor and Gaul and a couple other Aiel men were like, I thought he'd make it that far. He <laughs> didn't, you know? It's a really, like, kind of darkly funny moment because it's not really that funny, but just the visual is just great. Yeah, no, I uh, really appreciated this up-close look to Gaul. Uh, yeah. I, he's still very mysterious to me. I know he's a fan favorite, so yeah. any any content I get or... Uh, is, there, is there any mashup Gaul content? Gaul, Gaul tent? 
Galtent. Yeah, cut that. Uh, any gall no, content. We're keeping this, we're keeping this everyone. <laughs> any gall content. Gall tent. <laughs> gall tent. Oh, shit. I did it again. I. That's the title of Tobias, the episode. Tobias, you blow hard. Uh, no, really happy to get any anything of Gaul because he's still the most mysterious out of the names I know. You know, yeah. from the from the fandom and the culture, uh, and just knowing some of your favorite characters, uh, I'm very excited to get to know more of this. And yeah, the High Lords they're not they're not doing so hot. Yeah, they. Well, I think they thought they had Rand sussed that they could easily manipulate him, but I think they're like. You fool. You forgot this dude's half crazy already. Exactly. Well, I think, you know, they they look at it as dealing with a boy, but they forget that they're dealing with the dragon reborn. <laughs> they're not dealing with, like, if Rand were some, like, well, he is, some, like, farm boy that got plucked, yeah, they, I could see why. But, no, this is a person of prophecy, and right. you can't, like, I think they're playing with fire, you know, and they're kind of... Facing consequences. Oh, oh, hey, I said the name of the chapter. Look at me, regular Robert Jordan over here. Um, but there was a great moment because... Um, yeah, see, so you got the book. Egwene and Elaine get in there, and this the chapter is very sad, in a sense, because Robert Jordan does these things where he reminds you of who these people are and how young they are, and you get glimpses of it, who they used to be. And you get that with Rand. So, um, Egwene is trying to tell Rand, we're going to help you. And Rand is like, oh, did Moraine send you? And Egwene goes, I told you not to be a fool, Rand Althor. You may have Tyrans bowing to your boots, but remember when Nynaeve switched your bottom for letting Matt talk you into sealing a jar of apple brandy? Elaine kept her face carefully composed. Too carefully. It was plain to Egwene that she wanted to laugh out loud. Rand did not notice, of course. Man never did. He grinned at Egwene, close to laughing himself. We had just turned 13. She found us asleep behind your father's stable, and our heads hurt so much we didn't even feel her switch. That was not at all the way Egwene recalled it. Not like when you threw that bowl at her head. Remember, she doused you with dogwood tea because you had been moping about for a week, and as soon as you tasted it, you hit her with her best bowl. Light, did you squeal? When was that? Two years ago, come this... We are not here to talk about old times. <laughs> it's so good. It's this really just funny moment. Like, we get that moment in The Dragon Reborn when Elaine, Egwene, and Nynaeve are talking to Matt to go take the letter to Morghese, and they're all just, like, kind of reminiscing. And it's just really funny. You get to see Rand Althor versus seeing the Dragon Reborn. And it's such a great moment. Yeah. No, I know I critique this series a little bit on, uh, you know, being leaning into some of the tropes that I've seen uh, here and there and everything. But ultimately, I do think it's really leaning into that theme of destiny being bigger than yourself. And yeah. I think it's forcing these characters to grow up in an extremely unusual uh, way than if they were just left to the farm. Yeah. Uh, so it is. It's it's sad seeing these kids having to grow up because of these circumstances. I, I, I love it. Uh, I also just feel like we are just starting with oh, that. Yeah. The, like, the pain has really not begun. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, even we see, from Egwene's perspective, just how far gone Rand is, because she says... It, you know, she talks about how we haven't really seen each other. It's back and forth. And even our conversation is just small talk about how Beltine was. What do you think Sunday would do? And she says he looks like a combination of Aiel, which he is, and Lan. And you start, she says, I've never seen that face so hard before. And, you know, she kind of starts getting him back because her and Elaine start trying to teach Rand to channel to be able to control it. And Rand kind of loses it a little bit. He, he's like, okay, you want to see what I can do? And he lit, he shields Elaine and Egwene and lifts them off the ground and starts setting things on fire. And like this freaks Egwene out because she's like, I did not think he could do that. I think she's kind of realizing that the true extent of what is happening to Rand and, um, so this is in conjunction, we kind of find out a little bit more of the magic system because 
we find out Rand can he can't see like the aura that surrounds uh, female channeler channelers, but he can sense when they channel. He says he gets goosebumps, and so Egwene sees that as like progress. She's like, "Great, this is fantastic." Um, so after Rand's little meltdown, um, there's a small little passage that we get, and I'm grabbing the book again. Robert Jordan just really hit his flow in here. Yeah, it's a really great character study of all three of them, really. Yeah, I think I think they're all starting to, you know, if not completely 100% transformed, they are settling into the paths that they are going to take and exactly. that are going to ultimately take them away from each other, I think. Yeah, because as we see in the next chapter, all this kind of like, this kind of sweetness can't really last. Right. Um, but we kind of get what I think to be the thesis of Egwene's character in this chapter, because she's talking about how Rand is kind of like, she's like, I'm going to keep going with this. And she says, uh, but she would not, could not just walk away. That would be the same as quitting. And she was, she was not made that way. She meant to do what she had come here for all of it. And he was not going to chase her off short of it, not him or anything else. That, determination we saw in Egwene from the get-go like their village was just attacked by the Merdral and Trollocs and she was like y'all are leaving great I'm coming with you oh you want me to be an Aes Sedai great let's do it and now we're starting to see that you know we're, yeah. she's been very uh persistent and uh we were just talking on the way of the leaf with the Shan Chen when she gets captured she sees that the other Aes Sedai are, uh, like, have given up. They've been here too long. And she goes, I'm not going to be it like that, you know? No, she definitely has the most willpower yeah. out of any of our characters. And I, I think whatever she ultimately chooses to do throughout this series, I wouldn't doubt her for a second. Oh, yeah. She can really do anything that she sets her mind to, and I would not put it past her. So, she's a great character. Um, so then, it was a really cool moment because... We get to see a difference between Sidar and Sayadeen. Um, when Rand is putting out the fire, uh, Gwen's like, wait, how could he do that? Because when Elaine tried to use fire, she got blisters and Shiriam, the mistress of novices, was like, yeah, uh, you cannot try to control fire. And Rand just goes like, so all I really did was take the heat from the flame and just put it in the fireplace. Rand is like captain of the football team that accidentally stumbles on an audition and gets the lead part and is like, oh, oh, this is pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, this is, like, and I do like it. I do like that we do dive into the magic system a bit more. You know, we, we talk about the male-female counterpart yeah. quite literally with the characters representing those themes. Uh, I, I was all over it. Yeah. I feel like Egwene and Rand are really exemplified Buying the Sayadeen and Sayadar, mm -hmm. like the best yes. of it, and then like each are like good representatives of it. Yeah, I think they match each other pretty well. Yeah, yeah. and it's really interesting. So then Egwene's kind of like, "Great, that happened. I don't love you. I can't marry you." <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> like, like. Second only to if she wrote a note and gave it to him or like ran out because that yeah. it, it felt very sudden, very harsh, but completely necessary. There, yeah, I I don't I don't know. I was surprised because talking about it as a moment in this chapter feels so obtuse and inorganic, but reading it just felt so complete for where again like her character arc is aligning. Yeah, and kind of getting away from those personal bonds. Um. You know, I was kind of talking about last week of feeling like there's just certain parallels in characters. And I feel like between, you know, she kind of follows Moraine pretty closely, I'd say, as as far as like a parallel. Yes. So, no, I was, I was all over, though. It was a necessary evil, I think. It, she says it hurt to do, but she had to do it, you know. I think she talks about like, like couldn't love a man who was going mad so here's my question to you at yes. this juncture i was hoping we were going to cover this uh internally who do you think she did it for do you think she did it for herself for elaine or for rand's sake i think maybe she knew this would eat her up i think the fact that rand moved on from her i don't think she was like 
upset, but I think Egwene has been wanting to leave Emmonsfield behind for some time. And she, in a later chapter, tell when Matt, her and Matt are talking, says, I don't regret leaving Emmonsfield behind. After everything that's happened, I still don't regret it. So she... I think she did it more for herself, but under the guise of this is for Elaine and uh, Rand. Cool. What about you? Same, 100% herself. I think she has the potential to be the most powerful character in the series, and I think you only get there if you start clipping away your personal bonds that tie you down. So I think, I really do think we're going to see an evolution of a more ruthless Egwene uh, later down the road. Interesting, the road. yeah. Like, if you are familiar with the Ajas, what do you think her Ajas Oh, easily be? the, um, whatever, like, the battle-ready ones green? are. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. I could see Egwene being a green Aja. Mm-hmm. What do you I... think Elaine? Mm, probably more... <sighs> break, break them down, because I know the brown is all about knowledge. Brown is knowledge. Blue attach themselves to a cause. Red personally see, uh, hunt down men who can channel and gentle them. Yellow is about healing. Green is the battle ready. White is, oh no. White, I believe, is diplomacy. Gray, I believe, is also diplomacy. As green, gray, and white are like, I don't know. I forget. Then I could see, I think I could see Elaine more in that white or gray kind of diplomacy. I mean, she is royal blood. Right. I think she is going to have to tap into that a little bit more. Uh, otherwise, I could see her walking away from that and taking on the blue Aja okay. and really attaching herself to a sole purpose of some kind. Nice. And you know what? I, I know I said a Gwen battle ready. I still think so because I do think she's powerful. Yeah. I think she's going to be a red and I think she's going to have to hunt down Rand at some point. Or do you think it's Egwene will go to the Red Aja and go, we're changing how we do this? Possibly. Because I don't think Egwene, I think the ruthlessness that you kind of see Egwene going to, I don't think will be against Rand. Right. I think it's, let me do something that can help him. You know, right. I see it more as circumstantial uh, instead of personal. But I don't know. I haven't seen the beginnings of anything from her that would say that she would want to necessarily change the system. Yeah. I think I'm just too young in her journey at this point to really yeah. know what she's going to decide to do. Because she, I think she is going to be a major player of the White Tower. Oh, yeah. And I think Egwene being red would also maybe not work as Leandrin was red and we saw how that <laughs> turned out. Right. So, shout out to Zul. The White Ajas for Logic... Okay. Gray Aja for diplomacy. So okay. Elaine for gray. Gray, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could, I could kind of see that in her, uh, you know, becoming a queen. Yeah. So the chapter seven ends with Egwene being like, all right, you crazy kids, I'll leave you to it. And then bounces. And then chapter eight, hard heads. We pick up Elaine and Rand. <sighs> this has very summer camp. It's August and summer camp is about to end and it's before the big bonfire yep yep it, it, it's like the night before leaving it is the bonfire it is the it's when the boys become men it's when the girls become women and they they have a little heart to heart and yeah. you know what i'm again talking about it kind of out loud feels like it should be inorganic feels totally organic i feel like we've had this trajectory for a while of uh, inside of Lane's head and how she's been feeling and how those feelings have been kind of bubbling and yeah. turning into something and how Rand has just become completely isolated. And, I mean, everyone around him doesn't want anything to do with him yeah. at best. Like, his best <laughs> friends avoid him. Uh, his mentors want to use him. So having this romance kind of start and bubble, I, yeah. I, I am afraid because I think this is a safe space that is going to get taken away from me. I think yeah. it's going to be a beautiful thing that is only sucking me in emotionally because I know they're going to get hurt. I know I'm going to get hurt <laughs> as the reader. Yeah. But right now, I like it. It's really nice. It's cute. It's very cutesy. But Elaine even says, I'm leaving for Tanchico in four days. So we got to kind of like make the best. And it's this really sweet, really cute moment. But I think... It feels more Rand needs someone versus he actually likes Elaine. I think so. He he's been without personal contact. There's nobody yeah. that likes him on a personal level. They he's they treat kind of him starved. 
yeah, and I, I mean, oh, I couldn't imagine being that isolated as an individual, like people either, you know, wanting to use you for their own gains or, you know, again, at best, just avoiding you. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm positive he's just affection-starved and, and needs, you know, probably more than anything needs a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Men will literally become the dragon reborn instead of going to therapy. Exactly. <laughs> or went to therapy. Uh, <laughs> I went to therapy, RIP, loose Theron. I'm different, I guess. <laughs> I'm loose Theron and I've changed. Oh my god! I think, but for, but seriously, I think Rand more than anything needs a friend. Yeah. But will settle for a romantic partner, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, I think so too. So Elaine goes, and she's like, "I'll leave you to your meeting with the High Lords of Tear." They're not happy because Rand wants to lower taxes. And we see Rand go from Rand Althor to the Dragon Reborn. And Elaine even remarks, uh, Gareth Brynn, who is involved with the knights in, with the Queen's Guard in uh, Camelon, she said, he could walk into a room in rags, but still command authority. And she's like, Rand is that kind of person. So it's a really interesting moment. And we shift from her POV to Rand's. And... It's it's a little wild because his POV section is half, oh my god, a girl. She likes me. And then half of it is, fuck these guys. I hate these people. What the fuck? Like, they're it, so scummy. They're so just like, oh. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I do believe it is this chapter to uh, stop me if I'm jumping ahead. What kind of bugged me was Rand has been on these puppet strings yeah. for so long this was the first episode. It really felt like he got off those strings and kind of laid it out how it's going to be. That might be the next uh, chapter that you're t- where he kind of like finally sticks up. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's chapter nine. Oh, okay, well, you know, we but get no, a gl- get what you mean. we get a glimpse of that uh, yeah. <laughs> here, and I, I really just I yeah, and I I like. I like world building when it's not picture painting. Right. I love that we get into the taxes and how these lords think and, you know, kind of how they view their subjects and everything. Oh, yeah. it, they it, call it's, them peasants. Yeah, it's a real complete picture. And we got that when Matt was playing uh, cards with those four young lords and they're just like, consequences of our actions? What? And you <laughs> see it with these grown men who like, but if we don't tax them then they won't work and rand's like do you want riots and they're like well we can stop riots it's like oh my god it's not about that <laughs> and they go well there's a civil war in kyrian and we trade with kyrian and rand's like okay but what you'll do is you'll take the excess that the farmers give and we're just gonna go out to like Mayin, Ilian, all these, and they're like okay it's it's just so like this poor farm boy has to deal with rich people and it's just kind of like strangle. I, I mind strangling, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Sorry. I'll try to be more on top of it and I'll, uh, I'll, uh, verbalize what's going on. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you are our DVD commentary. Um, Oh my God. He's, he's staring at me and he's, drawn a line from one side of his neck to the other with his forefinger. Oh my God. He, he's putting a finger to his lips. He's, he's telling me to stop verbalizing what he's doing. He, Oh my god, he's... So, one of the things <laughs> Rand tells the lords... Sorry, I'm scrolling, trying to get sense of, a sense of my notes. So, I'm one of the big vamping. things... Excuse me? I'm vamping. Oh my god. <laughs> sorry, okay. This go podcast on. is cancelled. Um, no, I'm kidding. So, uh, another thing Rand has them bringing... Uh, wants them to sign a treaty with Bearline, saying, Leave Mayanne alone. You can have the ships. Just leave her alone. And... Rand also has gotten some insight from Tom. It looks like the note that Tom planted has worked because Rand sees that these two lords aren't looking at each other. Uh, the High Lord, uh, Carlian and uh, Theodosian, they're not looking at each other and Rand is kind of like, hmm, so there's already some tension there. Noted. <laughs> Notable, not, not, he nods knowingly, <laughs> noting those nods. So, well, I appreciate it, too, because it does show that, you know, while Rand is definitely a man of destiny, he's not incapable. Yeah. He is observant. He does read into situations and reads between the lines quite well. He's growing into 
he he's growing into being more of a leader mm-hmm. than he was in the great hunt because i feel like in the great hunt he was like no don't force this on me but i think rand has slowly started to go if i'm doing this it's because of what i want to do not right. because of what everybody else wants no he's he's doing that he's learning politics he's yeah. he's learning the game of houses do you also maybe think him getting with elaine is sort of him looking at it from a political standpoint of maybe she can also, if he gets with the uh, daughter heir of Andor, right. maybe he can get Andor on his side. Not in like a manipulative way, but I think in like a let me think about this in a smart way. You know, I I, I agree. I don't think it's manipulative. I don't think he's playing politics. I, I, I think he is a very genuine person. Also, while while I just said he's not incapable, I do think he's a bit stupid and doesn't even realize that yet. I yeah. think I think he's gonna learn from her for sure. I think we've seen a little bit of that of uh, Elaine giving him advice through this uh, bunch of chapters. Yeah, and I think that's gonna be. I, I don't think the romantic aspect can last forever, but I think we are planting the seeds for a relationship to to her country and and him as the Dragon Reborn. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think. I don't think he's thinking that far ahead yet. Oh, okay. I, I, think, I still think he's getting his sea legs. Tear is the me- biggest matter at hand. Exactly. Okay. I, th- I think he's learning politics, but he's not quite savvy yet. He's not playing dice tomorrow. He's not on the Tom level. Exactly. But... It's more because of his position of authority. He's learning about the access it gives him. I think yeah. he's learning how to exercise that power. He just doesn't know all the moves he can make quite yet. Yeah, like the chess pieces are laid out. He knows how to move the pawns, but he's still learning that back row. Exactly. I I think the the power of that comes from his allies for sure, uh, yeah. as just seen by Tom's note working oh, yeah. impeccably. Oh, chef's kiss. It, it was it was a, it was a nice moment. It's a nice moment to pay off. I I really yeah. enjoyed that. I love any sort of like intrigue or political stuff like. I love the, oh, I slipped a note into Lady da- Cavendish. And you're like, woo! That's why, like, Downton Abbey scandal. House of Cards meets Wheel of Time. Sign me up. Oh, my God. Um, except we won't have any iffy. We won't have Kevin Spacey. Right. We, we won't cast specifically Kevin Spacey. We no. will not cast. No. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Ugh. So... We get our uh, idiot nephew. We switch POVs back to Egwene. Yes. And Egwene's kind of just like, she, Matt comes up and starts walking next to her. And she's just like, hey, haven't seen you around. And he's like, I'm avoiding Aes Sedai. And she's like, <laughs> she just keeps walking like, great. Yeah. Um, but this is like, I think this is the first scene Matt and Egwene have had together like solo. If I'm remembering correctly, I don't. F- I feel like they didn't really interact with each other a lot, and this is like the first time they've actually seeing... had a one-on-one conversation. Yeah, and yeah. it's not the conversation Egwene expects. No, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, and I think it's smart just from a a writer's standpoint to mix it up and kind of clash these personalities a bit and yeah. show how different they are by, you know, mixing up the pairings and getting those POVs that way. Oh, yeah. Well, especially because it ties into one of your predictions of Matt and Egwene getting in trouble with the Sean Chans. Yep. So, so planting the seeds, maybe. I, I, it's going to happen. So essentially, Matt is going, I don't want anything to do with Aes Sedai or the One Power, but I, I'm not leaving but what do I do about the holes in my memory and the random bursts of old tongue? And Egwene's like, talk to Moraine. No, I don't want that. <laughs> and so Egwene tells him about the redstone Terangriel doorway. And she like kind of tells him the rules and all that. And Matt's like, great, not using that, you know? Which gave me the biggest sigh of relief because I was so ready to drive into some downtown trouble if Matt went through that doorway. Oh, it wouldn't... I don't think it would go well for Matt. Yeah. So. But no, I'm happy. And I think, again, we're seeing some of the divisions in the magic systems, and I think there is something older and more powerful, you know, and I think it is coming from the old tongue and the, you know, the blood that runs through their veins and kind of their people's history. Yeah, like maybe a subset of the one power, maybe? Exactly, like just something that's, you know... 
been around since the creation of time itself. Something old and powerful. Like, I mean, the wolf stuff, you know, Elias yeah. is really clear that this is something separate, that this is not that power. And men's uh, viewings mm -hmm. also. Exactly. And Matt's luck doesn't have any power connected. Yeah, there's them, so. there's just something that transcends the willful access to the the magic that Egwene and Rand and, and company can do. Yeah, no, for sure. And again, we get that question from Matt who says, would you have left Edmonds Field? And she goes, no. And Matt's like, oh, huh. <laughs> so, uh, what do I do with that? <laughs> yeah, but it's a moment that I love because after all this, Egwene just goes, the world may change, but Matt will never change. Like, we'll always, he'll always be that little rascal. I think, you know, for better or for worse, he'll be that little, like, hmm, what are you going to do? He's a scamp with a good He's, heart. He has a really good heart. God bless him. God bless that idiot. Idiot little boy. So we go on to chapter nine, decisions, decisions. So it decisions starts off really weird because Normally, when we get a POV break, it, like, breaks up, and we don't get that. Right. So, we get first, like, Matt, no one wants to hang out with him because of what happened. All the women, they don't want to cuddle or a kiss anymore. It says nothing about the men, so we can assume Matt just kind of goes... <laughs> Cue the sad Charlie Brown music. Oh, my God. He just walks around like uh, George Michael Jr. <laughs> na, na, na. Oh, copyright. Oops. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Schultz. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so Matt's walking around a little dejected. No no one will play with him yeah. either, which I, I really dug that detail. I think it's also the fact that whenever he like wants to play dice, he looks at him and goes. <laughs> <laughs> He's just making it uncomfortable with everyone. Uh, for all the viewers at home without visual access, uh, there's some uh, jerking off motions going. I, I assume it's throwing dice. Yeah, but Matt but, just uh, keeps but looking at the High Lords. With the character uh, implication of aggressively uh, pleasuring a High Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we go to Boo Boo the Fool with Perrin. Perrin has been kind of going around to different taverns uh, because he wants to find an adventure for Fail to get out of Tyr. And it's funny because Fail he notes that Fail knows what he's doing and he still does it. And it just pissed me off a little bit because as much as I like Perrin, it's a thing of, it's like he kind of shoulders the burden for everyone else without taking into consideration someone else's thoughts. No, it's definitely a case of trying to find the solution instead of talking to the person. Yeah. And uh, it is a little frustrating, and I know it comes from a good place, but he is a little dense. He is a little bullheaded. Yeah. And I think he is a little desperate, uh, to say the least. But, yeah, I just, I wish dude would just talk to his girl. Like, I, and the thing is, is Fayil would literally just pat him on the arm and go, no. And I wish he would accept that, too, yeah. because she is a powerful woman. And I, again, I know this all comes from that place of just trying to keep her safe. But, man, she's not a damsel in I distress, know. Like, you know? Nothing will make her more angry than you treating her like a child. Yeah. And it's like Fayil has expressed in the past, like, don't do that. Yeah. When Perrin shoved her out of the room when the axe was going to kill him... Because he had this idea of, oh, my death is worth, my life is worth less than Fayil's. I had to save her. It's that very oldie, old, oaky, smoky way that men would have, or like this dainty woman. Right. Who like, and it's like, no, Fayil has shown she's more than capable of taking care of herself. She went from Saldea to Tyr and has, it's like, she's good. You have to trust her and you have to trust that maybe you don't know what's best. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling out one of my predictions here. Okay. Uh, from half court, a wild a wild throw, but either Perrin is going to get her hurt, and that is Ooh. what is going to finally uh, get him on the program with her, or he's going to keep doing this until it gets her killed. Okay, you think Fayol might not make it? Uh, and I think it's going to be Perrin's fault. Okay. You know, inadvertently, but because he's doing stuff in this He might manner. arouse suspicion. 
Something like that. Yeah. So I'm, you know, again, some wild predictions, but I'm throwing them out there. Watcha! Kachow! <laughs> um, all right. So we'll have to pocket that. That's intense. But what's even more intense, Rand and Elaine have been just canoodling for three days. just Walking through the gardens and like, other stuff, probably. Finding little nooks and all that. I said, for the show, make Matt bisexual. Like, literally, Rand and Elaine are sneaking into an alcove. They find Matt with the High Lord, and it's just this awkward moment. <laughs> and they just slink away. Like, you could do it. But, yeah, they begin, again, very end-of-summer camp vibes. Yeah. Very, like heavy padding behind the utility shed you know it's it's been a long time not just in the series but for them probably since they've been able to do this very human thing yeah. so well, i think I don't it, think even i don't think rand and i don't think rand is experienced no i don't think i, I don't think so either, either. I, and i'm here for it because yeah. Again, it's just one of those themes of even in the face of destiny, we are very human and we will always return to those very human things and bonds and connections are one of them. And oh, I got to tell you, Dalen, it it relieves me to say this, that Rand comes across more as a person now instead of just like a terminating machine. There's a real human warm element that he gets back in this section, especially that just relieves me that, you know, if, I, I know it's not done for him yet. I know he's going to go oh, through the he's ringer. He's going to go bananas. <laughs> but for him to have this respite is yeah. really nice. Really nice, Robert Jordan. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Parent fucks, however. <laughs> Parent fucks. <laughs> no, I, don't, I think Parent also not that experienced. No, I don't. I don't None think, of the boys, I think. I don't think any of them are. Yeah, I I think Matt would be... I think there's over-the-clothes action at best. Correct, yes. Like... Very, very clumsy. Very uh, top... He came too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? Oh. All of... Like, literally, Elaine just goes... Three farm boys bonded over a shared experience. (laughs) This summer, the coming-of-age tale. Coming too soon coming soon but not too soon <laughs> oh my god uh no but the yeah cinematic they, event they they yeah they they are canoodling they're they're getting together they yeah. it's it's really nice i i dig it so much rand is also getting uh tips from elaine about diplomacy and yeah and that. taking them too he's, yeah he's he's actually employing them and putting them to use and i i think it's growing him i i think he is getting a bit savvier as a leader, as you were saying. And yeah. I think especially in this position of power where it's not just authority, it's mysticism and yeah. spirituality. So it was really cool to see him start to grow intellectually. Yeah. But with all good things, it has to end because it's a really intense scene because Rand is with the High Lords of Tear, and two of them present him with this treaty written by the High Lord Torian. And it's essentially bullshit of, like, Torian wants soldiers guarding the grain barges and essentially not listening to anything Rand said. And Rand's like, he channels fire and lights it on fire quite literally and goes, okay, here's the thing. Y'all don't want to listen to me? Um, What you're going to do is tell Torian to essentially go fuck himself, uh, present Bearline with the treaty. And if you don't do this, I will hang two Lords of Tear a day. Until I get what I want. And even he is surprised by like, oh shit, where did that come from? But it's, it's a lot. Yeah, no, he, he, you know, he asserts himself (laughs) and you see him kind of popping off these strings. I think he's been handled for so long. At the very least, this is the breaking point. This is the line he's drawing, you know, these measly high lords are not going to, you know, shackle him to their wills. Yeah. Uh, very happy for my boy Rand. <laughs> because I think he's finally, yeah, like you said, the puppet strings are off. I th- And I think his frustration has just reached a boiling point. I think it's that. It's the fact that Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine are going to Tanchico. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know if they'll be safe. Yeah. They're hunting the Black Aja. Like, there's just a lot on his mind right now. And the fact that there are people starving and these High Lords are treating it like some 
horrible thing that they have to do. And it's like, no, be a decent person. You know? Right. <laughs> do, do the bare minimum. No, do the bare minimum, please. No, he, he definitely doesn't have control. And I think he's comfortable with a bit of that. I think he understands that this destiny, this prophecy is going to take him where it needs to go. But as for the things he can control and have say over, I think he's going to start asserting himself extremely more forceful than than usual or before. Oh, for sure. So, oh my god, I completely skipped something that I loved. So, in uh... Uh, earlier chapters, so we get, so Elaine and Nynaeve and Egwene are, uh, no. So, Egwene and Nynaeve are still interrogating Joya and Amiko because they're right. like, what's in Tanchika? What can we get? And they're just not finding anything. And we get one of my favorite Avienda moments. Egwene was taking a bath. Avienda walked in, saw Egwene was naked. And as they were talking, she just takes her clothes off and just continues just sitting by the bath. And Egwene's just like, uh. And like, Avienda's like, so, Bear Lane, why don't you just like kick her ass and duel her yet? And Egwene's like, it's not how it works. <laughs> it's such a great little like, you get to know the cult, the IEO culture a little bit more. Right. Like, you know, the Avienda taking her clothes off and sitting with Egwene isn't like this sexy, like, no it's nothing suggestive it felt totally cultural it felt like it was world building uh it's just a cool moment of real-time world stuff and i think it's it's a pretty bold move to make as a writer and i I appreciate it do you think avienda is gonna go with them to tanchico i don't think she's going to follow them off the bat but i do think their paths are gonna intertwine okay in tanchico so a little bit more specific but so uh, Avian, so will Avian? Oh, wait, sorry. So Avienda will go with them, or maybe not? Find not a not way on her get... own accord, but their their paths are just going to intertwine, kind of naturally and okay. accidentally. Okay, nice. So, kind of getting back to the end of the chapter, Rand dismisses the High Lords, and Landfear comes in. But what cracked me up at first. Rand turns and goes, Celine? Right. And I forgot <laughs> that the last time that he saw her or had any That was the portals, her, right? When they're um when no, this is before they go to Kyrian. They stop at an inn called the Nine Rings. That's right. Catch the reference. Yes, yes, yes. And she left a note essentially like, bye girl. And Rand was like searching Kyrian for a woman named Celine and That's with the crest right. like this. That's right. He doesn't know that she's Landfear. And it's this moment where she goes, I am a Landfear. And he goes, like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then she channels and he's like, Oh fuck. Right. No, I uh you know I think like I said with the Forsaken, they they've been introduced and then vaporized almost yeah. immediately. Landfear is kind of the first one that's been hanging around for a while. Yeah. And I don't think she's going anywhere anytime soon. No, especially her plan. I'm curious to hear what you think. So her plan is essentially, she said, because she says, you have no idea what you're doing, dude. So she says, Mogedian, who is one of my favorite Forsaken, uh, Mogedian, Ravine, and Samael, they are freaked out over Rand because they're like, the Dark One could place Rand over them. And she's like, Here's the thing. Here's the plan. We get a male forsaken. I already have one, Asmodian. He teaches you how to channel. And once you do, once you get uh, better in the power, kill all the forsaken. And then we will rule together. Because all the Dark One needs is for Rand to go, cool, I serve you. And Rand's like, the fuck? And she goes, so there's two sangriels one rand can use and one landfear can use and she says if we use those we can challenge even the creator do you think it's a real plan or do you think she's trying to woo him she's got an agenda she's got an agenda all right whether or not the forsaken are in on it or she has anyone else employed that's that's totally up in the air for me but i think this is all bullshit i do not trust her for a second yeah uh, it's it's just all too neat and tidy and one dimensional yeah. to bring it's too over easy exactly like there there it's a like not even logic holes but there's just if I were Rand I would be thinking so many things of like okay well why would the like 
<laughs> why would a forsaken already have a male forsaken chosen for me? Exactly. It feels like a trap. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know it's a bit of dramatic irony. You know, he's he's just going to be learning what land fear really is, and we understand her to be lying, conniving, yeah. <laughs> and all around uh, pulling strings of her own. Yeah, I think she's got a totally personal agenda. I do think there is an internal scrabble, you know, among the Forsaken. I do oh, think yeah. there's a, you know, a lot of infighting. I think she's always looking to put herself up. I think that's just a running theme with them. Yeah. And I actually think this offer, she knows he's going to turn it down. I think it's just a part of her plan yeah yeah because she's like well if you don't go willingly to the dark one i could just take you there myself exactly and we also find out there's another layer she brands like you why don't you kill me she says kill you you're mine she calls him loose there and she says you were mine you loved me even before that pale-haired milk sop and he thinks elaine it's really Ileana, right loose there and twice that he killed but it's that like she wants him biblically and I think she wants to go lure him into the sense of, no, 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 we'll do it together. She's going to stab him in the back. Yeah. She would kill him. Like, there's there's no... No, I think there's some righteous revenge uh, oh, here. Yeah. But I did like returning back to this echo of uh, reincarnations and yeah. past lives and, you know, ages kind of repeating themselves and receding and coming back and yeah. stuff like that. I, I, think we're, I think we're peeping at more of that. I think I'm... I'm reading between the lines as much as I can because I think the turn you're talking about is totally like space time dimension based somehow. Yeah. So. Well, even uh, Rand says to Lanfear, you have always loved power. And he goes, where did that come from? Right. Those words sounded very, very familiar. Mm-hmm. He knew it to be true. He's like, I don't, where do they come from? Right. Any theories about that? I, th- I think that's Luz Theron speaking from the past a little bit or, okay. you know, kind of uh, uh, if they don't necessarily exist in one time or space, maybe, you know, Luz Theron has always been and always will be just like how, uh, oh God, who is it? Some Someone says that they've been fighting so much through the ages. It, it oh, doesn't matter. Shamael. Yes. You he know. says like we have always fought. It is statistically probable that we will, the Dark One will win. Exactly. And, is, and so with all these meetings and kind of, a you know, alluding to all these past events happening, I th- I think it's kind of that uh, that old magic, you know, again, that blood yeah. that Rand is from. It, it's it's an echo from the past like or primordial something. Primordial sort of thing. Exactly. So the chapter ends with um, a gray man coming into the room. Rand kills him and turns to Lanfrey and goes, is this you? And she said, no, but you might not want to go outside because someone else is testing your vulnerability. Right. And that's where we straight on go. Yeah, and that's, and that's where even if, uh, uh, this, if this last chapter we're about to cover wasn't part of the required reading for this episode, I would have read on because I called it. I knew it. Rand's got to go out there. And yeah. guess what? It ain't going to be pretty. And oh, boy, God. howdy, was I right. And I wish I wasn't. Oh, yeah. Chapter 10, The Stone Stands, c- picks off. We see dead Aiel and dead gray men. Mm-hmm. But even worse, we see the Trollocs in the Mergerall. Right. And that de- there's a detail of a Mergerall rips half a face of one of the Defenders of the Stone. It's brutal just yeah. carnage and yeah. this, this is really cementing the darker turn that oh, the series yeah. is taking I, I like it. it oh no it was such it was so much fun to read because rand is just seeing all of this death and all this destruction it's not even like high lords it's like high lords women children aiel mm-hmm. no one is safe yeah well and interestingly i you know put this Put this to kind of sit on and let simmer, but the Trollocs and other dark forces are turning on each other. Yeah. I. What does that mean? I have no idea. My only theory is if this is another Forsaken or another big player from the dark side kind of doing this, there might be either some shaky control or some fighting for control over these troops, essentially. Maybe something like that. I know Rand can, you know, just being around can make strange things happen, but that's always felt more in in a uh, more, I don't know what you would call, indirect way. Yeah. Uh, this this felt like some something was malfunctioning in some yeah. kind of way. 
Because it almost felt like Two Forsaken had sent two different armies. Exactly. And with two different agendas. Exactly. But, like, we have never seen this, them turning against each other. And a Trolloc saves Rand. Yeah. <laughs> That's the weirdest part. Like, Rand's like, what the fuck? And, like, he sees Moraine and Lan fighting. And just, mm-hmm. it's, and he sees Perrin and Fael fighting. I'm surprised, like, Fael's just not looking at Perrin the whole time. Just hands on the hips. Just... <laughs> Like, I know Fayul is uh, POC-coded because I see her as, like, Middle Eastern or Mongolian. I really want Fayul to be a ta- allowed Italian woman. Just, what do you mean? What do you mean? You can't let me go with you. Just Perrin. criticizing Perrin at every Yeah. Turn. Oh, my God. Just Italian. At the very least, both of them fighting side by side does give me a little bit of hope that, yeah. that you know, that they're, they're just having growing pains in that department. Yeah. But yeah, carnage. Uh, stuff is happening, and you know, Rand does his thing. He does. Yeah. He do, he's got that tricks. moment with Kalendor when he mm-hmm. like the swirly thing above him, and then the lightning that crashes. The instant, the first thing I thought of was the prologue of the series. That's how Luce Theron right. killed his entire family. Right, and he hears a voice in his head say, "Now, now." So it's like, what the fuck is going on because it's not Mishamael because Mishamael's dead right and we had that moment of Luce Theron I'm like is Luce Theron starting to come out like what is going on yeah I think you know I think I think Rand and Luce are one and the same yeah you know and I think there are there are going to be instances where the line between the two really blur where again I, I wouldn't be surprised if we went back in time got a little POV from Luz Theron and we got Ooh. flashes of Rand communicating to him from the future. Interesting. Or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that would be interesting to read. It, you know, if it doesn't happen in this series, I'll write my own little offshoot That's at this point. That's what fan fictions are for. <laughs> That's what fan fiction's for, my, my dude. But uh, yeah, here's a voice. It's, it's not identified. Is is that right? It's, yeah, it's, it's not. Just it's just a mysterious. voice that kind of like comes from the back of his head. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and I, I'm throwing it out there. I think it's, I think it's Luz Theron. All right. I really think it's him communicating. Yeah. So with that, I mean, the amount of power that he did, I mean, Moraine is a little freaked. Right. Lan is freaked. The fact that like two chapters ago, Lan was kind of like, hey, leave him alone. And the fact that Lan is looking at Rand like, are you going, do I have to do what I have to do right. to protect Moraine? Yeah, well, and I think uh, a couple chapters back, I think Egwene specifically notes how many different weaves of using the power he's yeah. doing and how naturally it's coming to him. So I'm not surprised in the slightest that he's kind of sponging up that power and, and leaning yeah. into it. And she even notes that he looks as us, at us as if we were kittens, kittens that he could easily drown. Yeah. There's a danger that we're seeing in Rand that... The madness that comes with channeling Saiyadine is mm-hmm. no longer just this can happen. It, I think it is happening. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think this is, we're 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 seeing the onset. Yeah, of this, and so Moraine is informed about uh, Lanfear, and Moraine says Lanfear was in love with Luz Theron. She's like, "You're," but that does not guarantee you are wholly safe. Mm-hmm. And so we skipped over, I think, one of the most freakiest moments in this chapter. As Rand is coming down from the power, he sees the body of a little girl. And he channels into Kalendor and not only attempts to heal her, but the power, like, fills this child's corpse. And she's almost like a rag doll, almost. And, like, Robert Jordan describes the blood from her wound is still pumping because, like... I think he might have started her heart. Mm-hmm. And just so, mechanically. Yeah, but... and Moraine is just like, oh my god, no, no, you cannot do this. Right. Like, it's horrifying. Like, we're starting to see the toll this is taking on Rand. The near-constant death that yeah. he's seeing. No, it's uh, it's it's very grim, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's It does a lot of impact in kind of the the real human stakes that we have going on. And you're right. I think Rand is starting to crack a little bit, realizing what this all really means. Uh, there's just layers of Rand kind of learning the gravity of his situation. Yeah. 
and uh, yeah, it, it's a very very grim. It was imaging like that in the tr- when they find the fade nailed to the door in the right. Sequel. Like that specific imagery of Rand trying to resurrect that little girl is just right, and it just remaining a corpse. And well, it, and if we're going on the loose there in theory, when loose there and killed his entire family. What if Rand kind of saw that mm. and is like holding that kind of inside? Yeah, in a way. yeah. Like he mm. had this brief flash to seeing this child as his own. It's po- very possible, and yeah. and if true, very emotionally impactful. <laughs> oh yeah, it was all. It was very very rough. No, it's not. It's not fun in games and uh, fun fantasy anymore. There, I there's, know. There's there's some stuff like. I've got a feeling that this book very much is is doing the dark turn. We're gonna go a little bit more grim yeah. and, and not pull so many punches because now now you're in. Oh yeah, it was a very bleak chapter, and we started off so happy. That's the sad thing. It was so cute, so innocent, and then it turned into sleepaway camp. So yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> it started as a summer romance, and now ended as a summer slasher. And Rand's trying to resurrect a dead little girl. And I, yeah, if if, if I've got a feeling he's going to carry this one around with him for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and that that pretty much ends the chapter with Moraine yeah. saying, "You you can't do to try to try that is to challenge the power of the creator." Yeah, and Rand is just like, "All right," he gives up. And she's like, you need to sleep. And he goes like, I'm going to bed, but I have a plan that you all will know tomorrow. And he said, Lanfear gave him the final clue, the final piece. I think Rand is going to, on his own terms, try to bond a male forsaken. That's what I think the plan is going to be. Man, I... I don't know. I see so many branching paths that could happen. I do think it's interesting that uh, Moraine uh, heals Rand but keeps his fatigue so that he rests. It's like she's trying to sedate the dragon a bit. Yeah. I I think Rand is going to try to do his own plan. I think people aren't going to jump on board with him. He's going to do it anyways, and something bad is going to happen to him. And if we want to see if this... uh goes the way eric predicts you'll just have to tune in next week when we cover chapters 11 to 15 of the shadow rising i think this is a good place to wrap it up yeah but i want to do my armor piercing question right right let's hear it who would you rather get a lecture from nynaeve or moraine ah like i mean this is a you did something bad I'm gonna go with Moraine on this one. Yeah. All right. Neither of them are pleasant, but she reminds me of like my high school calculus teacher, where even when I was getting lectured at, there was a very real sense of, you're right, you're correct, and I'm learning from this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Nynaeve would just feel like, it'd feel like, uh, it'd feel like high school. And, like, when the stage manager bosses you around because oh, they're the yeah. stage manager, but they're, like, a year or the same age as you. Stage manager on a power trip. It's like, take off the headset. <laughs> let's really talk, okay? Exactly. Oh, so I'm, no. I'm going to go with Moraine on this okay. one. I feel like she would have real nuggets of wisdom. Yeah. No, I think Nynaeve is scary mad. Moraine is calm mad. But I don't know yeah. what's better. I... Both sound awful. To I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stick with my answer. Both right. are unpleasant, but, but for me personally, more rain. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, that's all we got for you guys today. We want to thank you all for coming out and uh, chilling out here with us while we talked about the shadow rising. Uh, Eric, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Viva Ladanes. That is v-i-v-a-l-a-d-a-i-n-s he spelled it i did i'm 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 you know i'm bringing it back for the summer i'm gonna spell it for the summer this is eric's hot girl summer (laughs) (laughs) this is his moment you can find my hot girl summer on twitter at v-i-v-a-l-a-d-a-i-n-s all right and then you could find me on twitter at the only gay in the two rivers and if you are not following our official instagram and uh Twitter accounts, find us on Instagram at Loyal's Book Club and on Twitter at Loyal underscore S. 
And you can find this episode and the nine others, because we are now at ten, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Anchor. Um, if you have not joined our Discord server, the link is in the bio, so click on that, and you get to hear us live. Get to hear our little goofs, our little jokes, our little tangents. And, get to uh, hear uh, all the tech stuff we've been learning about and fighting with. Oh, yeah. We are, uh, we are, uh, we are Randall Thor, and technology is our society. <laughs> Will we win? <laughs> we're getting, we're, we're doing well. I mean. That's, that's going to be our first shirt when we start releasing merch. Oh, yeah. It's just us grappling with technology. <laughs> no, we should eventually do a reaction to our first episode, because that's crunch-a-munch. Crunch-a-munch. But... Thank you, guys. We'll see you guys again next week. Have a good one.